Welcome back to Nausea Street. Today we have a very cool episode of Nausea Street for you guys. I have Megan from Foxtails joining me later on and Greg from Drop 19s. Yes, that's right. You heard that right. Drop 19s is going to be on the show. It's possibly their first interview in 30 years, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. All right, let's get into some tunes.
All right. Hope everyone is having a good February so far. Mine has been pretty all right, it seems. I just I recently finished my first month in Glasgow, and it's been um it's been a pretty interesting month or so, and it's looking to be a very interesting spring coming up. Um, we just have one more month of cold. Who am I kidding? It's Glasgow. Whatever. So so far we listened to uh Ao Aikoi Dai Dai Nohai from Mass at the Fermenting Dregs. Totally messed that up. Uh, Jungle Gym from Dealership and Cooking from Duster. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty all right month for me. Uh, February, it's it's one of my favorite months usually because it's just painless and relatively quick. And you just move on to the next thing, really. Um, so I'm hoping to move on to the next thing, really. And by that, I mean the interview I did with Megan from Foxtails. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Nausea Street. With me, I have one of the driving forces behind, to me, one of the most exciting bands currently in screamo and emo music. We have Megan from Foxtails. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Congratulations on the album, uh, first of all. Fawn is Thank out you now. So much. It's, I mean, it's pretty early to say, but it's my favorite album of the year so far. It's so good. Um, I was, <laughs> I was you. at the, la- I was doing the laundry like an hour ago and I was listening to it, just preparing for this interview. I mean, I've been listening to it during the week, but, but like, just, just listening to it in preparation for, um, this interview and it hits so hard doing the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone is listening, just give it a chance during the laundry. It's great. But, uh, Yeah. <laughs> How has the reception been so far? Um, it's been kind of insane and unprecedented. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about it. Um, our numbers, I don't think, have ever been this high in terms of just plays and people talking about it and reviews and all of that stuff. Like, there's a lot of people talking about it and it's mostly, mostly positive. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a bit of a whirlwind, especially like just because, you know, our stuff in the past, it's been generally like well received, but usually they turn out to be a bit more like cult hits kind of. Um, so this is the first time that we've like released something and it's just been immediately met with praise. So it's been kind of crazy. Yeah. As a, as a fan of the band since, uh, three, it's, it's certainly made me really excited for you guys. Like just seeing everyone going insane over your album. It's been, it's been wonderful to see, but the (laughs) album, oh, and like the album truly feels like a new side of the band. Um, you've always been like really interested in like in incorporating different elements and instruments into your sound but this time it really feels like you're covering different ground compared to other brand other bands in the screamo lane uh with like the chamber elements what was the writing process like on this album and was it different to your previous releases how did it feel in the studio it felt i mean it was pretty much just what we usually do usually um we'll just have like some riffs presented to us and then um michael the drummer will structure 
um and then I will sort of do like my my icing on the cake kind of and having Jared who plays the violin now um it's so cool because he kind of just fits right in and he writes the way that we write which is basically just like we are we basically figure out how the song is just gonna go in terms of length and like a b c d what part is when um and then we just do what we think sounds good over it um it's very organic the songwriting process is pretty natural for all of us um pretty much the hardest part is just structuring it and figuring out like you know if the riff is in a weird time then we have to like figure out what signature it's in and then we're like oh okay now we can groove to that we understand that um but in the studio too it was um the way that we mainly play is like live so we'll just all play together as if we were doing it uh, for practice um and then we'll go over and do like our overdubs and um just fix any little mistakes that we may have had mm -hmm. um but overall, yeah, I think that the the main thing that has changed between now and our previous albums is that for me personally, like lyrically, I was taking a lot more time and consideration with the subject matter that I was tackling. Um, I think when I was younger, I used to be much more uh, cryptic with my lyrical style, which I, which still is there. Um, but I think I'm a, I'm a bit more focused and I think that's the case for everyone too. Everyone is sort of much more focused and it's, it's a much more cohesive sound what we've built. And so now we're able to sort of be like, okay, this is the idea that we have and now we can execute it perfectly rather than sort of experimenting like we used to do. Now we can actually execute it the way that we want to. Mm -hmm. especially going from song to song there are many uh very suspenseful and just larger than life moments that are followed up by something that's a bit more um quiet soothing and atmospheric which is i mean something you also kind of i think were leaning towards on the last album but over here it's got a very um nice dynamic to it all Mm, thank you. Yeah, I feel like um, the especially with Querida Hija, um, like that album, I think we definitely had to do that album in terms of uh, like that one is not I, I'm personally not the proudest of that album in oh, terms yeah? of lyrics. Yeah, okay. um, I really like it musically. I, I think musically it's a great album. Um but in terms of just like my lyrical style on that album, it's not, it's, I don't, I'm not the most proud of that one. Um, but I feel like it was an album that definitely, that we definitely needed to make so that we knew that we were able to do the things that we experimented with. Um, like I did a lot more of like, like some kind of more like, uh, like, sassier brattier spoken word on that album I did a yeah. lot more um a lot of a lot of different vocal techniques I was kind of like showing off my range a little bit um <laughs> so yeah just definitely it definitely was something that we had to do in order to get here yeah speaking of the vocals speaking of the vocals um Foxtails to me is one of the most exciting screamo bands vocally that's you thank and you Thank and you. On, <laughs> and on Fawn, it's almost like you're doing more spoken word um, than ever 
really it's almost 50 50 with the singing how did that come about was it just how it seemed convenient for delivering these lyrics that you already had written down or was this something that you have been wanting to experiment with yeah it was definitely something i wanted to do consciously um i feel like in the past i wasn't as comfortable with spoken word because i was very much so like a couple of factors i guess i was still figuring out what it was that I wanted to do vocally um, because I always had a bit of like the, you know, the very pretty singing style and the very intense screaming style. Um, But I always wanted like an in-between to those. Um, But I was kind of like afraid because I guess it wasn't too conventional. And not to say that there's not other screamo records with spoken word. Of course, there, there are quite a bit, Um, but also just the vocal style that I use is very, I would say it's unique to me. Um, And doing the spoken word is very much so like a culmination of becoming very much more comfortable with my identity um, and being much more comfortable in communicating the lyrics that I'm communicating. Um, Because I feel like when when you're singing a lyric um, there is sort of like a double meaning um, because based on like the the melodic components of the line that you're singing, there can be, uh, I, I've noticed that people sort of catch that there are very like um, messed up lyrics with very pretty melodies that I'll sing. Um, I like that element. Um, and then obviously there are like the very, very intense lines with the screams, but I also like spoken word for just the directness of it um there's sort of no frills or flowers about it um it's just very much so this is what I'm saying and you have to take it for what it is I don't need to perform like I I don't need to have a mental breakdown to say these words that I'm saying essentially if that makes sense um the song space orphan was the first track you previewed off on and in context of the album it really feels like a release um mm. i think it's a very special song and the breakdown at the last minute or so reminds me of like a like a silver mount zeon record it's so oh, wow <laughs> oh thank you that's quite the compliment <laughs> such a crushing song would you like to talk about the story behind that one yeah um that song was uh that I'm very proud of that song because um, this one was like, this song and Gallons were the main songs that were very bass centric. Um, So we had the beginning riff that was written by John and they presented the guitar riff for the very first. So we had like that little rhythmic thing in the beginning with the violin. Um, They wrote that, but then I pretty much structured the rest of the song, which is not usually what happens. Um, So I'm like extra proud of that. (laughs) Um, And the lyrical content of the song, it's really funny because when I first wrote it um, and I wrote the lyrics, I was like puzzled by them because I was just like, this is so odd. Like this doesn't like I I don't even know what I'm talking about. what happens a lot too is that like my when I write lyrics it's usually my subconscious telling me something before I consciously know it um 
So with these lyrics in particular, I was feeling super confused and puzzled by them because I was like, I feel like this is not like something that has happened, but it's still like it's affecting me very deeply. Like I I feel a lot with these lyrics. Um, And then like just just a few months after those lyrics were written, I realized that it it actually did have to do with uh, like a, a friendship that was that I lost. Um, I had a friend for about a decade. Um, and she, we, we basically got into a fight and I was basically like, I understand why you're upset, but also I want to like draw my boundaries and like, you know, let you know that this is how I feel. And I feel like that should be addressed. Um, and that was like the first time I think I had ever done that with that person particularly. Um, and then she basically said that, like, I wasn't worth the time um, and, like, cut me loose and uninvited me to her wedding. Um, bunch oh, of no. shit. Yeah. So and all of that just because, like, there was an instance where I just was like, hey, I didn't like a thing that you did and I'm uncomfortable with it because historically I am and and I mean this is a concept that runs through the album as well um a response of mine usually to situations that make me uncomfortable historically I've sort of like rolled over and kind of let it happen um and just never really advocated for myself um but then I have recently decided to stop doing that (laughs) um and speak my truth and and try and you know find that justice for myself and it's resulted in a lot of people showing me who they really are um and that's a bit of a it's it's definitely a bittersweet kind of thing um it's kind of like you you learn things that you didn't really want to learn but it's definitely something that you needed to know and I would rather know it and go through the pain than live in ignorance for the rest of my life I guess um Mm -hmm. So Space Orphan specifically really, really, really embodies that theme of, of you know, just the, also just the situation in which you, you look at a person and you see, if you were to, if you were to bump into someone that you used to speak to a long time ago, um, you, you see the person in public and immediately, I mean, at least for me, what runs through my head is like, all of the memories that we had, um, who this person was to me, um, the most intimate memories that I might have with them, um, the way that we used to talk, but also like what ended it um, and why we don't talk anymore. Um, And so it was sort of like a, it was a bit of a fantasizing of like what would happen if I were to see an old friend who I don't speak to anymore and just all of the thoughts that come with that um which results in like the ultimate mental breakdown at the end of the song with basically not understanding the reasons behind why people disconnect and why some people are just not ready to deal with the parts of themselves that you show to them um yeah what do you think of online emo screamo communities? Um, are you still within these communities? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that 
they're they they definitely serve a very wonderful purpose, um, which is just to share um, music from a genre that is, you know, um, not it's not seen in the best light by like um, their mainstream counterparts. Um, it helps a lot for exposure and for um, like literacy and in, in the genres. Um, the only thing I would say is that there's obviously like the, the human elements, which can be, um, great or it can be messy. Um, but you know, um, I still, I, I like to, uh, the good thing is that I think I've personally learned a little bit of nuance when it comes to that. It's sort of like, I'll participate when I would like to participate, which is essentially like music only, <laughs> either music or good memes, that's it. Um, and that's when I will participate. Um, but otherwise, you know, there, there are some other things that, that happen that at this point in my life, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in. Um, so I'd say it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword. Um, if I'm even using that term correctly, I don't even know if that's the correct thing, but it, it's accurate. like there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. The, it's, there's, there's a lot of good, but there's also some pretty messy parts. Um, but I personally just try to pick out the good. Mm-hmm. When Foxtails was first starting out, did these communities um, help you out or was it more like a hindrance? they helped us out a lot um i would say that like the online screamo community um if it oh well if it weren't for them like we i don't think we would have gained any kind of traction or any kind of following at all um especially because in connecticut where we live um it's the scene here is pretty much dominated by either like hardcore or like in no, like straight oh. hardcore. <laughs> I heard there's a lot of metalcore over there, but I'm not sure about that. Metalcore, not uh, well. There is like I guess maybe like a few years ago there was more metalcore. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, as far as I know, right now it's pretty much dominated by like straight up hardcore, um, hardcore and like indie slash like singer songwriter type of, type of stuff. Um, but when we, when I was growing up, I mean, uh, I started in, in DIY in Connecticut at like 15. Um, and at that time it was very dominated by indie singer songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, more so than hardcore. So here I was, um, 15 years old, uh, screaming into a microphone and is it true um, that you guys booked was- shows pretending you're like a dream pop band? Was that a real thing? No, we didn't pretend we didn't. It's really (laughs) funny because people just assumed that because people like, I don't know, I guess it was from the way that we looked or or whatever it is, um, or people that only listened to like our very first album. But even then, that album isn't really dream pop. I think it's more like Midwest emo. Um, but yeah, no, it was it, it was quite literally an assumption that was made on people's parts. Um, so like people I'm would sure, book us like ex- people. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've surprised so many people. That's beautiful. 
yeah for sure we even got there was even one show that we played where we got kicked off the stage because we were oh, way no too way. loud and it was it was like a pizzeria so was it, oh no was it like a singer songwriter <laughs> gig yeah yeah that's beautiful was this around <laughs> your first album or was this a bit later yeah this was around the first album. i think this was shortly after the first album wow okay um <laughs> I've got a random question. Is there a Zelda reference on Paper Tiger, the album closer? No, I've seen that. I've oh. seen that people are saying that, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's one theme on Majora's Mask that sounds really, really close. And I don't even know if you're like big on video games and stuff. But like when I first heard it, I was like, wait, that sounds like something. And then like <laughs> like since the since the day that album came out I was just thinking about it and I saw on Rate Your Music someone mentioned is that a Zelda motif and I was like oh no I got to ask that <laughs> Yeah no that's so funny cuz I've been seeing that and I'm like wait what is that because I was I, I was big on video games but I never actually played Zelda was like one of the ones that I never played um so I was just like what is that like Majora's Mask is that like um like a band or something and I, so Mask? like I looked nice yeah I thought Majora's Mask was a band <laughs> um and so I looked it up and I was just like oh wait this is from Zelda um and then I listened to it and I'm like oh I can see it I can I can understand um but no that was definitely not a thing that we that no that that was not conscious in our minds at all we we had no idea what it was until we saw people saying it <laughs> that's wonderful you mentioned that you're already on to the next thing what's next for foxtails Right now we are writing an EP. Um, and so the EP is going to be a very short one. I think it's going to be three songs and it's going to be just bangers. So we're basically paying homage to like our, our 90s screamo elders. Um, it's going to be very much so like a kind of like release of outrage. Um, because I think we just definitely need to do that. I think that, I think that um, something that we have not really ever done is just like be really heavy. Um, and like, like, you know, we always have our like signature, like heavy moments intertwined with the pretty, but like, and, and it still will kind of be that way, but we're kind of wanting to see like what happens if we just let loose and get really angry and just do that musically. Um, and that's what we're doing right now. And I'm really stoked about it. It's coming out really tasty. I really like it. Um, so I'm very excited for that. We're probably going to record that this year. Um, and then we also have more material um, for LP5. So we already have more songs that we're going to do for the next album. Um, and yeah, um, we just we just keep pumping out stuff and it doesn't really stop. Exciting times ahead for Foxtails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a part of the interview where I ask you if you have any music, um, film or literature you'd like to recommend to the listeners. Oh yes. Um one so one um album that I've been listening to a lot. It, it's very comforting. I used to listen to it a lot in high school. Um it's Mad Villainy by Mad Villain. Oh yes. Um yeah, I fucking love that album. It's so super comforting for me. Um helps me 
it, it helps me process even like just the whole fucking premise of that album um it's very special to me also um just because we we've gotten a few comparisons and i was just reminded of spiderland um spiderland by slint that's a <laughs> god tier album yeah um yeah um and then besides that um literature what i you know uh, to be honest i um i want to get back into reading fiction but lately i've been just reading um theory um and also i've actually been revisiting the the book on complex trauma that um the one of the excerpts of the book is uh, on the album description for fawn on Bandcamp and in like the inserts of the physical media too um I've been rereading that book. I recommend it definitely as a resource for anyone who has dealt with any kind of complex trauma in their life. Um, there's a lot of really valuable tools and information in that book that I, I still revisit the book. I fit, I've read it front to back various times and I still reference it uh, semi-often. Um, so yeah, those, those are my main things going on now. <laughs> well, there you go. Where can people find you and support you? You can find us on foxtails.co. Uh, we are on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you find your music. We're on Instagram and Twitter at foxtailsct. Um, and yeah. Yeah, Megan, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Uh, it's lovely having you here. Uh, congratulations on the album. And yeah, um, good talking to you. Thank you so much, love.
Welcome back to Nausea Street. We just listened to a very ferocious streak of tracks. We started with Attack the Nervios from Foxtails, Kennedy from Shinguard, Drug Lord from William Bonnie, and Heirloom by Snag. So um, this is a pretty angsty episode, again, um, no doubt about it. And um, yeah, um, I don't know where this angst is coming from. It's not just the interviews. It is in me as well. Since I've moved here, I have this aggression inside of me to do something, to be a part of something, to to reform, you know, um, to be reborn. And um, I've been trying to put in the work to, um, you know, make something happen again. And who knows, maybe a month from now, something might just happen. Something might be set in stone. Who knows? Oh, well. So let's just listen to some more songs and just fuck off.
Welcome back to Nausea Street. We just listened to Untitled from Brave Little Abacus, Disco Hijack from 125 Rue Montmartre, to, hu- to a Husband at War from I Hate Myself. And um, yeah, I hope you do not hate yourself. And um, yeah, this has been a very emo-driven um, podcast episode so far, and I have no idea why. Um, and uh yeah, why don't we just shake things up a bit? Why don't we have a shoegaze band from 30 years ago who, you know, haven't been active for a long-ass time, who haven't done an interview, you know? Let's just get someone who, uh, I don't know, fucking drop 19s? Yeah, I'll just hit them up for an interview, see what's up. Oh, wait. That happened? Okay, that's pretty cool. Well, drop 19s. Welcome back to Nausea Street. With me is honestly someone I have never thought I would be able to have here, and I've somehow gotten them on here. Greg from Drop 19s. What's good? Hey, how are you? Oh, no. I'm good, dude. How about you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's yeah. a it's a pleasure to uh to be talking to you. How has the past 30 years been? Well, let's see. I'll start with yesterday. Okay. And that's we'll go start. back. <laughs> that's a that's uh, that's <laughs> sort of a joke. Uh, you know, it's been, um, well, it's been, it's been, it's been 30 years. It's been a while. Um, I, you know, um, it's been good. Um, I should premise this by saying I, I didn't, you know, Greg from drop 19s is kind of something I hadn't really thought of myself as in a long time. It just was sort of Greg. Um, and I liked it that way for all that time. Um, I stopped doing it very um in in a very positive way i i I decided i wouldn't you know i didn't really want to make music anymore and i decided to stop doing that i felt like i had even though you know yeah we didn't become the rolling stones but uh by my way of thinking i had kind of achieved a lot of what i set out to to achieve Uh, you know i wanted to make a couple records i wanted to tour i wanted to I want to do a lot of that stuff. And, and, um, and uh, I, I kind of, I did, I was able to make that happen. We, I should say we were, I mean, the band. And, and uh, so I, when I stopped doing it, I was very, um, very content with that choice. And, uh, you know, it, and it's, and it's a little, almost somewhat arbitrary. There is real no reason that I'm back doing it other than it just occurred to me that, um, you know, I just started thinking about it again. And, uh, and now I want, now I'm doing it again. Um, and the band is back and we're, we're, we're doing this thing. So the last 30 years have been good. They've been good. Um, and they were different than the years that preceded that, you know, the being in the band was its own thing. Um, and those were good days, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't miss it for all that time. That's for sure. But it does feel good to be back. I see. Um, quitting music, was this more like a spontaneous decision or something that you sort of had in mind for a while when you had stopped, basically? I think that I was always, uh, it's just my nature. I'm, I hedge, you know, I hedge. So I think from the, almost from the get go for me, even making demos, uh, getting a record deal, uh, the record doing well. Um, almost at every one of those points back then, I would be like, well, yeah, but, you know, uh, I don't know if I've decided I'm doing this forever. You know, 
it, at every stage of that game, I was thinking about that. So I think it is, it has been my nature to, 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 so it was always built in that it, it wasn't something I decided to do forever. And I made good on that. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it, it had been brewing since it, you know, the very beginning, um, when, in other words, um, I'm reminded of the LCD thing. There was a, a, a interview he was doing, James was doing where he goes, uh, the interviewer asked him, you know, so when you start a band, do you envision how it will end? <laughs> and, and, and I think that that is something that I, I, I was always kind of envisioning that. And so, yeah, it was always built in. Was I prescient enough at the time to know that I would do that to then come back after all these years? Absolutely not. But um, I, I, yes, it, it was always, it was never built in my mind to last. I was very young when I made those records. Um, and uh, I feel like uh, that, that was the time that, to do that. And, and then I went on to do other things in my life. Um, so, so uh, yeah, so it was built in, I think, a little bit. I see. And uh, how did you get that? Um, how did you want to come back exactly? Like, how did right. it occur to you? Did you just wake up and just say, hey, I want to make music again? Or was it something that you kind of had in the back of your mind that yeah. you kind of calmed down for a bit, you know, something like that? Right, right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's arbitrary, I think, really, although I can't imagine doing it another 10 years from now. So in a way, I feel like that's you know, now that I have come back, it, it would be now or never. I mean, I don't really see doing this into, in my truly old age. So there's that. But um, it, it all started just really with, um, uh, you know, this would happen periodically a few times a year. Someone would, you know, approach me about, you know, getting back into it. And, you know, um, at varying degrees, you know, what of of levels, whether it was a would be a record company person or a or just a friend or or maybe an old bandmate or whatever it might be. Um, in this case, it was a guy named Craig Rich who I played with a, a little bit in the early days. And he got me on the phone and he just started talking and I don't know, something just clicked. He just was so kind of honest and passionate about it. And I'm just trying to brush it off. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, Craig, I, I know, I know, I know it could be done, all this stuff. But I'm like, I believe me when I tell you, I've thought about this, I'm not interested. I just, for this, this one time I got off the phone and I just started thinking about a new drop 19 single, what it might sound like and what in a modern, you know, today. Mm -hmm. And I just started getting ideas about what that would be. And what does I, it um, sound like? It sounds like drop 19s, which is, Very cool. which is kind of significant. You know, I think for years, I, I don't know what it would have sound like, but it probably wouldn't have been like drop 19s. I, there's something about right now, and, and maybe it's internal, maybe it's external, maybe it's the world. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I want to hear that again. I want to hear that sound again. And, you know, I, I think that it, it's just the right time. Um, and, and, uh, so yeah. And, and a lot of that is like, well, what does that sound like? What does drop 19 sound like? What does that mean? And, and I think for a long time, I didn't really know what that, what that, what it, that meant. Um, or, if I would have even agreed with people who did have an opinion about that. Um, but I, I listened back to the stuff and I, you know, thought about it hard and you start realizing what it is that, what it is that we do. And obviously shoegaze is a, is a component of it. I think it's how we attracted, you know, so many, I guess, young, younger fans that are, weren't even born right back 
when we were releasing those records. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, it hasn't always exclusively been that. There are bands that are, are, are that is really its template that they work on. I think with Chop 19s, it was always a little bit, again, with my hedging, it was a little bit like that, um, where it had that aspect to it, ethereal, um, kind of some soaring chords every now and then, some beautiful stuff really, but also a kind of, um, you know, maybe an edge to it. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are aspects of it that are Pixies-like and that, which you would never say is shoegaze, right? Um, so there's a way in which there's, there's this kind of tightrope that we walked that I, I think um, it was really served, served us well in that it's, I think it's a more eclectic thing than just shoegaze. And um, even though that's what we're known for and would be categorized as today, I think that one of the things that that makes it drop 19s, I don't want to say makes it stand apart or stand above because I, I, I wouldn't be so bold to say that. But but it's 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 not your 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 standard boilerplate shoegaze sound. There's there's surprises in there. There's um, there's an aspect to it, I think, that is um, a little that that does that is different. And that is what that is the distinction. And that's something that I came around to kind of thinking about and realizing and you know, describing to myself really what it is we sound like and what what that is and, and why why it would be fun to revisit it um so yeah i see so many words so uh talk to me about this new album you were mentioning on social media called Heartlight. Yes. um how so, long how long have you been working on this album and anyone <laughs> else has been working on it alongside yeah. you yeah so yeah, the, the originally, you know, back to the first question, really, you know, getting back into it, I said, well, all right, I'll, I'll you know, I, I entertain the concept of even approaching the idea of doing something. But that's that's the far cry from actually doing something and producing something, right? Making something. So it was really, I didn't even have any guitars in my Brooklyn apartment. I have a farmhouse up in Connecticut that there's some guitars in, but uh, I'm like, you know, I don't even have a guitar. So Steve, my bassist, who's really my, you know, kind of my, um, I don't want to say Simon and Gar Garfunkel, but because I don't know who's Simon, <laughs> who's Garfunkel in, in this particular parable. But, um, you know, he's kind of my uh, lieutenant, if you will. And 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 uh, although that's that's probably too demeaning, I, he's he's more than that. Um, we're co-captains. And he he just he like overnighted a jazz master to my apartment in Brooklyn. And this coincided with my girlfriend getting on a plane to go to uh, Art Basel. I think it was a Thursday morning. So I had the apartment alone to myself and I just picked up the guitar. And I have to tell you, Onat, I mean, it was weird. I just ended up writing one song after another. I mean, not just <laughs> chords, but like lyrics, melodies, one after the next. And she came back on Sunday night and I had written basically a new album. And wow. Um, so it, so to answer your question, um, yes, it took 30 years, but really it took the course of like a long, a long weekend to actually write this thing. So, <laughs> but that's, that's quite apart from us actually doing it, which we're doing now we're working on the record and that's going to take a year, you know, give or take, um, hopefully Surely. less than that, but you know, it, to develop the stuff that I do is it's all in the sound and all in, it's not just the chords and the lyrics and stuff, you know, it's to develop a whole like kind of 
to immerse oneself in something. So I, it's gonna, it's gonna be time. Um, but that's about how long it took. And, 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 you know, and, and then getting the other members involved, they also are, have stuff to add as well. And that takes time to incorporate that, whether it's a whole song or parts of a song of mine or, you know, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, but basically came together fairly quickly. Yeah. In that, cool. in that respect. How does it sound compared to your previous releases? Well, it, it's, you know, um, it's it has the air of Delaware to it, or that first album. Um, there, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot of records that we made, so um, sorry about that. Uh, there's not a lot of records, so you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we got signed on these demos that were very. Um, it was at the at a time like or 1990 91, where uh, bands like Slow Dive, for example they were obviously in, in Reading, England, and we were in Boston. Mm -hmm. We were kind of on the same track, but with an ocean apart, right? So it wasn't that either of us were influenced by shoegaze so much, so much as we were influenced by other things, right? And, and, and writing music that sounded kind of similar. We weren't influenced by each other, but it ended up kind of being like that. You know, it sounded like that when it, when it started. And that, that was kind of how it started. Then we... I got signed based on that. We got our, our deal based on those demos. Um, and, you know, those demos were sent to Melody Maker and Enemy at the time. And we ended up getting single of the week and all this kind of crazy stuff at a time when that was a really big deal. Yeah. But we didn't have a record deal yet. It was just based on tapes. And then, um, so we got a deal from that. And then we made Delaware. And Delaware was, again, my kind of hedging that a little bit and adding some other elements than just it being this kind of pastoral soaring um i don't want to say nondescript but just ethereal kind of beauty you know there, there's some there's some there's some menace to to delaware that i that i that i think is um was a good was was a good um uh, ingredient and then we even went further away from that on a follow-up to delaware and and uh it was all just kind of this made sense to me at the time but now looking back, I do think I do think that Delaware is the is the indelible like Drop 19's record, the sound. Um, so I would say it's in the vein of that. Uh, it's it's it's. I think people will be like, this sounds like you know, if not Delaware, like maybe what they would have followed up Delaware with, if uh, if perhaps we hadn't you know kind of decided to keep on chugging along and trying to reinvent it almost the wheel every time we did something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a drop 19's comeback is really exciting, but what will the band lineup look like? Right. So as per like the last question with the Delaware thing, you know, I having recognized that myself, that's kind of what I'm assembling here. I'm assembling the Delaware players. Nice. Um, now, so that means, you know, um, Steve's involved. Uh, he's the bassist. Uh, Moto, um, who was my, who was a guitarist along with me. Um, there is always this element of, um, a, a woman, a girl's voice, a woman's voice in, in my, uh, female voice in my, uh, in my music. I've always written on both sides of my brain, the, you know, um, lyrics and melodies and stuff for both for myself. I call when we're mixing something, I put the, the guy vocal, the girl vocal, even though it's my vocal, that's what I, how I write it. <laughs> um, 
whether or not that's because I want to distance myself from all of it or because I think it's all me, I don't know. It's either super arrogant or super insecure or both. Um, but the, uh, so there will be a girl's voice on this. And, um, you know, I can tell you that, that we're talking to Paula, who's the voice on Delaware, yep, Delaware. Paula Kelly, Delaware. Yep. And, you know, and, um, and we're, we're moving forward with that. And then, and, and, you know, but we don't have any real, um, announcement on that it's 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 kind of a it's not so much a negotiation so much as it is a a process whereby uh you know i'm i'm working on getting to show her some things that that so she knows what she's getting herself into and um and and that you know to know that she's on board with that it's got to be a very mutual kind of thing um and so uh but but so i i don't i can't announce that yet that she's part of it um I can announce that we're doing this record um, and, you know, it will sound like drop 19s. Um, and I can say that, uh, that uh, Paula might be a part of it. And uh, that's what I can say for now, but uh, it's exciting. The whole thing's exciting, but it'll be effectively the Delaware players, um, you know, uh, or certainly um, that's the, that's the, um, intent because there are a lot of people came and went and dropped my teams over the years yeah. so so that that will be the um yeah it will be the it will be the uh it, it will be a delaware era revisit um to Very ourselves cool. yeah you're making music at a time most people from well my generation might call a very fucking cool time for louder guitar music um mm -hmm. since you've um come back what difference have you noticed in the music scene or throughout the years in general well um i still love guitars you know i mean mm -hmm. I, I love I, I love them i mean i i never got over the guitars um you know oh, oh my god i mean it's been we we're talking about a quarter century you know certainly the rise of hip-hop and i mean is is paramount i mean it's like the you know and i and i know it, what that's a different genre of course but it's you know but it's music man and 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 so the, these things all apply um you know so i wouldn't you know the 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 trajectory of guitar oriented music has been up and down through the years right it's been i think it was it was it was diminishing during the towards the end of the 90s and then the the aughts came along i like calling them the aughts the 2000s and then you know we had you know, the white stripes show up and the guitars yeah. are back. And so it, it's been up and down. I, um, but I love guitars and there's something eternal about them. I just think they're the most interesting thing um, still to this day. They're just the coolest, I think. And so I, you know, th this, thank God they're not, they're not, it's not entirely over, but it's, it's a constantly sh shifting kind of landscape out there. I don't, like, you know, in, in a year when this thing comes out, I, you know, I don't know whether it'll be, you know, what the, what the value of guitar music will be relative to it is right now. I know people are looking back right now to the early nineties. It was a cool time, yeah, but it had its own, you know, like anything, people looking back with nostalgia, it had its own issues, its own issues, problems, yeah. its own, you know, the, there, there was a lot of guitar music at the time that I couldn't stand. I mean, a lot of the, the stuff that all the bands they were trying to signed to be the next nirvana i i you know I, I wasn't too happy about all that stuff it's a lot of that kind of sucked i thought so you know it, it it's every every time has its give and take its upsides its downsides but um 
I am encouraged that that people do seem to be looking back to that era that they do think that there's something worthwhile there because um, I agree with them. Yeah, um, just looking back at the '90s, especially in um, in uh, in bands based in UK, you see there is a very quick circulation of music where two different subcultures can almost coexist almost um one second it's twee the next second is shoegaze then it's grunge and then it's bread pop it's it seemed like the same the second something came in the other just had to leave and as a band that was um active around that era did you ever get badly affected by that the the case of subcultural reset right well uh to some extent, but I think we benefited it from it more more than we were victimized by it. Um, if I had to say, like on balance, but uh, you know, certainly we were ushered in with this kind of this. It was being uh, celebrated at the time. Um, these guitars, these soaring guitars, and stuff, and we also had this other aspect to us, which was that we were American, right? A lot of that stuff was 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 British, right? So. And not even just British, but like all from the Thames Valley. It was just or Thames or whatever they call it. Uh, and so, you, there was there was an aspect to that which was like, well, our guitars were a little tougher than Slow Dives and Chapter House and and uh, Ride and stuff, like slightly, right? And and so it it had this other kind of angle to it that so so like the Seattle scene and that that kind of stuff was almost a benefit to us. There was we were kind of writing those two no one would ever call us grunge but back then that we were separated from those bands to a degree that that was beneficial to us because they did suffer drastically i mean like it's like in a night you know like lush went from being cool to not being cool um that it wasn't so it wasn't it wasn't so drastic with us it was like uh we were we we had aspects to us that were like that but we weren't attached to that expressly that scene the way that people might assume we were today because it's all kind of categorized under shoegazing now yeah there were factions of it and we were a bit of an outlier is how i describe it and so um and and you know in our in our in that second album national coma for example that that that's a tougher record that's tough you know it's it's um we I was trying to move on as well. It wasn't to skirt some kind of fashion so much as it was just trying to keep myself interested and in moving forward and redefining what it is we do and trying to discover what it is we do. And I was a very young guy, you know, you, it's not like I had some crystal ball as to what it is I was doing. I was still figuring that out. And, um, and so that's, I think was the, that that's how that resulted. But, um, but yeah, I, that was definitely a, a thing in the times it was very it was very rapid the turnover in those things um but i don't think we were so much a casualty of it so much as maybe we benefited from it from having kind of a foot in in um you know a foot in each of, in, a, in a few of those ponds so to speak mm -hmm. if you had made a third album a follow-up to national coma in the yeah. mid 90s what do you think it might have sounded like um you know i yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I, I did do some stuff after Drop 19s. I wanted to get rid of the name, um, and I wasn't really quite finished with myself. I, I worked on something called Fidel, which was, um, it's hard to say, like, Greg, oh, 
how do you not call it drop my teens if it's Greg from drop my teens, but that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, I did record something that was, um, I, I think, um, was just me trying to just, you know, I ended up not releasing it. All right. So, um, I don't talk about that record that much, but I'm, I'm, but, but so when you ask that question, I'm like, I can think what that sounded like. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you that I think it sounded a little bit like, um, um, I think it was in a, in a way an arbiter. Like if I listen to it now, I mean, there's aspects that sound a little like spoon to me, maybe car seat headrest. I mean, this is way ahead of, yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a kind of like type of songwriting approach more than it is like a sonic kind of thing. Right. Cause the sounds and the equipment and everything is constantly changing. Right. But, um, I think it, I think it would have probably gone in that direction. Um, it, it you know, but who's to say I, th there's a reason that I didn't call that drop 19s. There's a reason I didn't release it. Um, this is drop 19s. This is a follow-up. Um, if not to Delaware, technically to national coma, right. Cause it is the third album. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to find out what that sounds like. Um, Exciting. or at least you will. Yeah. <laughs> at least you will. And hopefully tell a friend, you know, someone, you know, your buddies, <laughs> for sure <laughs> so um have you have you had a band session yet yeah uh what how did it days, go yeah uh well i quit oh <laughs> no, okay. I'm, 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 that's, a, that's a joke <laughs> there's an old there's an old um adage or something like uh oh what's uh you know the worst two words in like the english language and it's a uh, band meeting <laughs> Ooh. Um, but you know um, no, uh, so his band session is, is sort of similar. No, it, it's been it's been great. It's been great to get back with 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 everyone and and play. There's a number of ways this happens now. We've done it in physical rooms. We're doing some things remotely. Um, majority of the players are up in still in the Boston area, Boston. so I've been going up there. I live in Brooklyn. Um, I have that little midway place, little farmhouse in Connecticut, um, and then. Um, um, so it's, but yeah, we, we've gotten together. It's gone well. I mean, you know, Pete, who's a drummer, he was a drummer on national coma. He's going to be the drummer on Delaware. Cool. Uh, sorry. He's going to be the drummer on hard light. And, you know, he's just ecstatic to be back. He just never, he was kind of one of those phone calls. I take every, you know, couple times a year and be like, Greg, we got to do this. We got to do this. And just, <laughs> it's just never going to happen. So really it's just excitement and kind of like, you know, um, but it's it's so it's always cautious. It's always cautious, right? It's like, uh, but it it always was with us. It, it it was never like, it would say, well, you get right back in the saddle, and it's just like, it's just everything's you know perfect. It was never perfect. It never will be. You know, you get in the room and it's like the same old problems. Jesus, I'm I'm out of tune. I'm, you know, I don't like the sound of this fucking amp, and you know, and oh, it's that's like, a classic. You know, and like, yeah, you know, like the, the same old the same old things get you. Um, but that's the nature. If, you, if you're not signing up for that, then we're not, then there's no point in moving forward. Why would you, you know, it, it's just, that's, that's the nature of the beast. And, um, so I welcome it all and the guys are, the guys are excited. Um, that's great and it, to hear. It's, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, over the years, um, since you've, um, basically disbanded, 
I'm sure there must have been an online resurgence of the band, and especially on Spotify. I've 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 I have a lot of friends I was talking to about this um, this interview that I was gonna do with you, and they've been mentioning, oh, that's that band Spotify showed me when I was making a shoegaze list. They're pretty cool. They're like Spotify core. Through the years, have you ever been weirdly surprised by just a random mention of your band somewhere? Or has there been something like that where you're like, oh, wow, we made it over there, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. You know, but it, yeah. But I'd be surprised in, in on two fronts because the, the first front is that, well, it's just nothing I've really paid attention to, right? In the first place, like where, whether our music was being listened to or not, I don't have Spotify myself. I, I don't, I'm not one of those <laughs> musicians, artists, like Googling myself. It's just, uh, it's just not, uh, it's just not my nature to do that kind of thing. So, so any kind of information that I ever, that ever got to me about there being, you know, some audience out there was always sort of surprising. That said, you know, um, I, I would I bump into people at shows who would, you know, be like, oh, geez, oh, you, you know, and they'd know about that slightly, be like, you know, my my little brother listens to your, you know, your your band, you know, and it's like, how do how does your little brother know about, <laughs> you know, you can't buy it on vinyl, you can't. So in my way of thinking, it's like it's not in stores, it's not, but but of course that's not that's just you know my old way of thinking it's like there are all these ways to rediscover things now that you know and and it's always shocking to me to 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 find out i mean we were someone showed me recently um there's a lawyer or a manager or something but showed me a, a kind of since i've since i've re-engaged and you know said put this shot over the bow that we're making this record Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, do you, do you know that you, you're, you know, a 30 year listeners or, you know, this is like 18 to 22 years old. It's like, well, that that's surprising to me. I, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. And I'm, and I'm kind of excited to, um, you know, it's not making this record is not going to be just like kind of showing people that were there at the time, right. What, what's on my mind right now and what's going on. It's going to be, showing really a whole new audience of, uh, you know, something. And that is, um, that, that's, 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 um, that's, that's pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, uh, but it, the whole thing is kind of surprising to me that there's any audience at all, frankly, is surprising. So, uh, you mentioned that some of the record, well, the records are not in stores. Are, do you have any plans to reissue your albums or, release maybe some fan yeah. favorite on release stuff stuff like that yeah so we are working with that a bit um there's some legal issues to be like resolved there you know so we're it's hard for me to like announce anything or say anything but i've we've heard we we've heard that there's an interest in this and and um and i get it and i hear and i hear you so we're working on it um and i think that it'll all coalesce i'm hoping over the course of this year, um, there's obviously a reissue of Delaware, something that is, is people are interested in. Um, there's um, there are those early demos that I had mentioned earlier in our in this uh, interview, where 
that stuff was never released. Uh, we never recorded yep. those songs for, we, we just wrote a whole new thing after getting a contract, right? So that stuff, I know it's on YouTube, but uh, it sounds god awful. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we're, we're looking at um, certainly remastering that stuff and presenting it to people in a way that is, you know, um, whatever that I can live with. And, and uh, yeah, and, may, and, and hopefully it's of some interest to people. So it, it's interesting. It's, it'll be a year of, you know, not just doing this new thing after all this time, but it's also going to be a year of kind of, I guess, shaping up to be a year of, of, of also reintroducing um, not just what's, well, reintroducing by definition, um, you know, early stuff and, and stuff that, uh, you know, even preceded Delaware. And, and, and so, so, yeah, the answer is yes to that. And uh, the contours of that we're working on right now. Exciting. Do you have any touring plans in the future? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> did I just say yes? Um, <laughs> Maybe. That, yeah. It's a. It's it's a. It's a likelihood. It's a likelihood. Um, um, there. There's been talk about it already. Um, but my my feeling is first things first. You know, I gotta. I, I gotta make this record, and you know, I can't, I can't be doing those two things at once. It's two different things for me. I can't, I can't think about that until I finish this thing. So, um, but that is, that is down the line. Yeah. And, and that, that would be, that would be pretty cool to, um, to get to play, you know, not obviously just new songs, but to just to play stuff from that era in my life over again. And it would be, you know, that would be, that'd be pretty interesting. Um, so the answer is yes, but, uh, you know, uh, I, we're not selling tickets yet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> They're not, or rather, no tickets aren't on sale yet. That's, 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 uh-huh. put it that way. Yes, yes. There you go. All right. This is the part of the interview where I ask you if you have any music movies or books you'd like to recommend to the people who may be listening. Hmm. Um, Wow. Well, um, geez, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I'm a, I'm a big film guy. I mean, I love, you know, I I love movies. Um, I I do read a lot as well, but, uh, wow, to recommend, that's a great question. Um, (laughs) Take your time. I can chop this up. You know, um, (laughs) What am I reading right now? I'm reading um, it's Luke Sant's, uh, uh, Maybe the People Would Be the Times. Luke Sant's okay. is pretty, pretty interesting. That's pretty good. I'm reading a Richard Hell nonfiction right now. Um, I guess that's nice. sort of rock and roll stuff. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I love, uh, I love the movie Chinatown. Oh, yes. I think it's from 1973. That's my favorite film. I watch that over and over and over all the time. <laughs> um, I'm a big early Jack Nicholson fan. That um, ending, though. Well, yeah, that's the whole that's the whole movie, though. You know, forget yeah. it, Jake. <laughs> you know, it's Chinatown. That's 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 the whole that's the whole that's the beauty. Yeah. Um, and. Um, yeah, so uh, th- that's a couple things. Uh, I'm still a big fan of anything Vincent Gallo does uh well he doesn't do a whole lot anymore but i mean i i i i can't watch buffalo 66 66, enough time yeah um i i I love you know uh 
I love Brown, the Brown Bunny as well. I think that movie is the most, one of the most beautiful things I, I've ever seen. Um, sort of scandalous at the time when it came out, but I still watch that a lot. I, you know, I, yeah. So uh, new stuff, uh, not so much. I mean, um, uh, uh, although, you know, like the A24, they, they do a lot of good stuff. Everything they seem to do is yeah, kind of exciting. Yeah. You know, uh, Uncut Gems is really smart. And uh, I love that. Yes. Uh, but you know, they, people don't need me to tell them that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, and I, and I spent a whole year just kind of reading every Beatles book I could, could get my hands on. Um, and, uh, I think one of the best ones was, uh, uh, the, I think it's called the, the, the many lives of John Lennon or, or something like that, but it, it's, it's a little, it, it, it takes a, it, it, it takes a very, um, critical, point of view of the guy you know he wasn't the sweetest guy he wasn't the he he wasn't that nice uh he had his flaws but but fuck me is he the guy is he my beetle <laughs> and so um i i, I like that oh fuck yeah i mean it's just okay. hands down he's just he's the guy i mean and again not as a human <laughs> necessarily <laughs> I, I wouldn't want him for a a boyfriend or a or a stepfather or a or a or a girlfriend or whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like, like I wouldn't want him or even really as a, as a, as a buddy, but as a beetle, he's my beetle. Let's put it that way. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, yeah, that he's the guy. Very cool. All right. And my last question, do you have any um, advice for any up and coming musicians, writers, actors, any artists, and anyone who's possibly struggling with creating and just the whole process with it. Yeah. Well, first of all, any you just described everybody. There's no, I don't think there's any such person not that's doing this, putting themselves out there artistically, expressively, that isn't struggling. That, that goes from, that's on every level, I think. It's just it's just inherent. It's just built. It's just baked in. Um, there's no not struggling if you choose to do this with your life. Um, so my advice is, you know, um, my advice is, is less, is less practical advice so much as, as I, you know, I get it. It's, it's not easy. That that's, that's my two cents about it, or it's that it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. And so, you know, you get through it, do it. Um, get make make it happen i mean i you know um in our early days to, to get started you know it was um we, we didn't have connections or anything you know 19 years old just college kids you know we we didn't have we couldn't get shows in boston you know you know so we made it made a demo sent it to we looked at the back of record labels at the back of our records and wrote the name of the the record companies down and sent them tapes right and then they sent then th that ended up getting in the hands of melody maker and enemy and that that kind of you know started the whole thing rolling it's like you don't you don't you can't plan how it's going to work but put yourself out there but i don't know if people have a problem with that these days because there's all these platforms to do that now um so you know i could probably learn a thing too from them more than people can <laughs> learn from me at this stage in the game. So um, I, I, yeah, so I welcome, I welcome uh, 
any advice that anyone has to offer. <laughs> Send it care of uh, Greg Akel, uh, Brooklyn, uh, USA. Oh, yes. Greg, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been wonderful talking to you. I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have. And um, yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, man, that was my pleasure. Nice talking to you. Nice. Take care. See you around. Yeah.
Welcome back to Nausea Street. We just listened to Winona from Drop 19's The End of the Summer from Co-Alter of the Deepers and New Romance from Beach House. Um, apologies for the, um, for the lack of much commentary on this episode. It's been a very um, busy month for me uh, with school and everything. And this next episode, um, which is was like 50% done already, um, has a lot of... Um, has just one interview, and it's a it's possibly my biggest interview yet, and I'm really excited for that one. It was supposed to come out this month, but um, the interview is about an hour long, so I thought I would just bundle it with the next episode and, you know, make things a bit easier on myself. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in to Nausea Street, um, whether it's Spotify or or Google Podcasts or. Well, obviously, Root Video. Um, but, yeah, um, sorry if it seems like I've been slacking. I'm just still trying to get used to a new city. I would also like to shout out my friends from Glasgow who might be listening. Um, Shouts out to you guys. And, um, yeah, we just have one more song left. <laughs> I didn't 